I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello there, you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown and a call here with you in the company of Juco James and Alan Morrison. We're coming at you a little bit later on in the week this week because as you can see from my own Skype chat that I'm not in my usual location and neither is James. He is at a conference and I am not in a conference. I'm sitting in the back of my soon-to-be home for the next three months as I try and prepare for my journeys across Europe over the next couple of months. Alan Morrison is in his actual place. So, Alan, how are you doing? Yeah, fine. I'm, I'm comfortable. Thank you. <laughs> Not been thrown out of any hotel rooms or had any traffic fines for trying to do podcasts. <laughs> no, no. The, you don't take these things into account sometimes uh, when you're trying to record a podcast, but also get ready for a journey across Europe for three months. So I'm, I'm finding it difficult at the minute, but we're nearly there. So we'll get into the football. We are looking back at the derby from the weekend, the draw. We were looking to clinch the cinch, as the uh, wording was phrased by myself. And I think the 20-minute Tims had the exact same thing as well. So it wasn't, it was, it was there to be grabbed. It was a very obvious headline. So that's the one we went with. Unfortunately, Celtic did not clinch the cinch. It finished one all at Celtic Park. The clinching hopefully will happen this weekend against Hearts. But we'll look back at the derby and the discussion points along the way as well. Alan, one thing that I want to throw to you here, because I didn't watch the game live. I had my own game at the same time, um, and I've only seen the extended highlight package of this game. Overall, it seemed to be a very negative uh, attitude towards the performance and the actual, the, well, the result was obviously not what we wanted. But one thing that I wondered was the performance as bad as people think it was, or was the performance bad or worse in people's heads because of what the game represented because they were going for the title i i, I hold on I, I have to interject here you just steamrolled over this how did you do on sunday oh we won that's why we we're win. that's actually uh, that's one of the reasons why we're coming in late because i was hung over for most of the week all right well congratulations <laughs> it's the first time hearing that well done sir yeah yeah what was it what was it you said it was you you played the albina yeti role in this uh in this title oh success. big time yeah i celebrated <laughs> that title as if i scored about 25 goals this year and i had little to no importance in the, how this title went this year for my team but Brilliant. we celebrate nonetheless they all count they all count so Excellent. that's why that's why i am busy this week because I was pretty much hung over for most of us celebrating my own league title so it wasn't that I just pawned off the derby match 
it was I had, I had a very important game of my, my own. So that took precedent over the, the Derby game. But as I said, it didn't seem like I missed much, Alan. Well, obviously a game of huge importance, which, you know, again, we tend to look back on these things and then apply a different context looking backwards than we did when we were looking forwards. Uh, and, and and in terms of, you know, feeling def- a bit deflated after the game, I, I think emotionally I felt the same. Um, but again, you have to think of the context. Celtic went ahead and then got paid back. So that's disappointing. And then probably they had their two best chances of the match in the last five minutes of the game. Uh, and that probably feels like, you know, oh, we got away with one there in terms of that that felt disappointing as well. So so I think, you know, th- that I think those when you look at those com- those 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 moments and those situations, you feel, oh yeah, and, and Celtic probably got a little bit worse as the game went on. You probably you, you probably then say, Well, that was disappointing. But actually, again, if you look watch the game back and try and sort of assess it with a more analytical head on, um, you know, Celtic were pretty comfortable in that first half after the first five minutes. It was it was almost as if um, you know, the Rangers had come out with a, again a full press, man to man. And after about five minutes, I think we thought, right, you know, have we done enough to show that we're trying? We're actually a bit tired now. We're just gonna sit back a little bit and be a bit half-arsed about it and they actually both sides then proceeded to play poorly for most of the rest of the game mm-hmm. it's just that uh, you know it manifests itself in different in different ways and even the second half if you actually break it down um that the, there were there were moments there were moments of of, of um where they had like clusters of chances there was a little bit of time you know just after half time when there was a couple of chances from corners free headers and there was another little flurry of those on around 70, 70 odd minutes just after the goal, and then those two big chances uh, at the end um, for uh, you know for Sakala, um, but, but but outside of those, it was just a mess of a game, just a really really poor quality game. Uh, you know, Celtic didn't do what they did, didn't play well. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Celtic played well. They didn't. I don't even I'm not even going to say oh they just did enough. But on the other hand, they didn't have to win the game. Um, the mm-hmm. other team did, and, and the other team didn't. And, and although they did have the better of the chances, they did shade the XG. Um, neither was it a convincing performance from them. I mean, their press in the first half, especially, was was it was all over the place, and they never looked like uh, really scoring. They had one chance when Rolson fell asleep, uh, and Kent got, stole a march on him. But outside of that, they had not a single real, real chance in that first half. So for a team that had to win the game. Uh, that that wasn't great, and but fair play, they came into it more second half. Celtic again, I, th- I thought when they made the substitutions, it looked like for five minutes that that was going to be the control, the, the deciding factor, because suddenly you you'd, you'd brought some solidity and extra legs, and and, and it looked like you know they, they'd taken off Jack and uh, Arebo, and you sort of think, well, that's surely weakened their team, but actually it didn't transpire that that way, and. Again, fair play to those individuals that came on. They did actually help revitalise their their team as well. So, yeah, just I think in summary for me, it was a poor quality game because Celtic were getting progressively worse the longer the game was going on. It felt a bit kind of meh at the end. But ultimately, um, that's two games in a row now in the league where they've had to win, they've had to beat Celtic and they've taken one point out of six. So, you know, we have to be pleased about that. And, and it, it makes the... The league, not not a certainty, because you know actually, <laughs> I don't want to put any fear in people's minds, but two draws and a defeat, and we, we could actually lose it, uh, which is not completely implausible, but it's probably unlikely. Uh, hopefully, um, so you know we, we we kept them at arm's length, basically, is the best I can say. 
Yeah, and there's comments coming in on YouTube already. And if anybody's watching on YouTube and my internet starts to break up, I do apologize for that. I'm, I'm trying my best off a small uh, internet Wi-Fi at the minute in a hotspot. James, uh, you watched this uh, from a different location as well at the weekend. Uh, but I guess one thing Alan touched on there was that it didn't seem that either side were overly happy with this. Out of two teams that are getting recognition in terms of the tactics that they deploy and have done through like Rangers are in a European uh, final now after this week as well. There are two sides that are set up well tactically, but this seemed like probably the worst derby of the year from, uh, from both sides really. Yeah, I, I commented. I mean, I, I don't think um, any of the um, derbies since uh, GVB came in have been all that well played. In, by either team, particularly in the final third. Um, I, I, I'd echo most of Alan's comments. I mean, I pretty much agree with everything that, that he said. Um, you know, what I took away from the game was I was hoping to see a, a change in some of the trends that we'd seen since um, uh, the beginning of the year against them. And I don't think we really did in any kind of comprehensive way or significant way. Uh, I think they came in as we, you know, Alan asked me uh, last week where what they might optimize for, and I think they uh, made the right decision in optimizing for Thursday, and they've um, got the just rewards for that after playing pretty well yesterday, and uh, you know, for them to start Davis Arfield as basically the number ten, who's you know he's not a pressing force. I mean, I think the fact that their press wasn't all that effective and the intensity of it dropped was reflective of, you know. Arebo playing striker, which hasn't happened that much, um, although he's a pretty athletic guy and a good pressing force. But behind him with Arfield and Davis, I mean, they're just not, you know, they're not the same as Kamara uh, uh, in that kind of role. So, you know, I, I thought given the circumstances, it's good that we got the result that we did. Um, it kind of continues a lot of the analytical trends that we've seen the rest of the season. And I think we should celebrate that we've maintained the significant consistency in non-European level quality opponents that's allowed us to get in this position. Because ultimately, that, mm -hmm. to me, that's the story of the season. The, the just really significant consistency against everyone but Rangers and European competition. And, you know, that's a huge part of winning the league uh, every season. And we've accomplished that and um, that should be celebrated, but it doesn't change all these other things that are longer term. And, you know, as Ange talked about this week relative to the upcoming, hopefully transfer window relative to preparing for the champions, like there's still work to be done. Um, and I think that's reflected and I think they understand that. And, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll uh, be focused upon in the coming months after we get to celebrate things, hopefully. Yeah, the narrative today, especially on Celtic Twitter, I don't know if anybody's been following it, but it it really has been discussing where Celtics stand after Rangers getting through to the European, uh, the Europa League final, now beating RB Leipzig to get to the final, whether that means that Celtic have failed European, uh, in European standards over the last couple of years. I think that's pretty obvious. I think that answers itself. Or do we look at it in the aspect of Celtic are six points ahead of a team that just made the Europa League final as well. So there's a, there's two ways of looking at it in that aspect. We might delve deeper into that later on in the, in the show, but a lot of people, uh, Mick M Meneni is asking about Hatate. 
Uh, a couple of other people asking about Hatate as well, Alan. So I might throw that one to you. This wasn't the first derby match that Hatate seemed to struggle in. Um, I find often uh, this was something that I highlighted on my initial thoughts of, of Hatate uh, when he first started with Celtic. A little bit headless at times. Does do live in his own world at times in terms of his movement, in terms of almost trying to do too much, chasing after too many balls and not maintaining shape in midfield. Shape midfield is massive when it comes to these games. So um, how did Hatate play in terms of his, his numbers in general play mm. and uh, his output in this game? No, I think you summarised it pretty well, actually. Uh, I mean, defensively, his output was next to negligible or, or virtually non-existent in, in, in actual fact, in terms of, you know, of all the midfielders, lowest even number of recoveries, didn't win a single outright challenge or, or duel, if you like, um, and was packed quite a number of times, 15. Uh, completed only 14 passes in the time that he was on the pitch, 70% uh, pass success rate. That was really poor. He only completed one, one, uh, oh, sorry, four pack passes, which was actually one more, one more than O'Reilly. But at least O'Reilly created a couple of, a couple of chances. He did stick a couple of balls into the into the so-called danger zone, um, a couple of nice nice balls into the middle there. Um, but other than that, uh, really only one possession in the box, very little threat. And I think you know, this, I've been fairly consistent, I think, in writing about Hatati's. Um, the short period after he joined, I could I could sense that I didn't want to be one of I didn't I didn't want to be that guy, <laughs> you know, because he'd obviously he arrived and such a fanfare, and I think people remembered the goal against Hearts and well a great performance against Hibs actually a goal against Hearts and then two goals in the two derby goals against Rangers yeah yeah so you know to then come on and actually write well actually his underlying numbers are not that good it would 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 have probably come across a little bit churlish but eventually as time passed that message had to be given. And it remains the case. So, as James rightly said, and we'll come on to in a bit more detail um, as as this fascinating season un- un- unravels, um, all the things that are a problem for Celtic and they're a concern that, and that need addressing this summer, none of them have changed after 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 uh, the weekend's game. And in fact, a lot of the problems that we had uh, read direct, directly to the chances that they that they created. Mainly down the left-hand side of the defence, as I keep banging on about, um, and and another and another feature which probably I've not discussed in the round so much is we just don't have yet that real blend in the middle of the park in terms of the number eight positions. Um, we've seen with O'Reilly and Rogic, you, you've got sort of almost too too much similarity. Two 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 players are probably just the wrong side of wanting to play a ten and an eight. Uh, and, and similarly with Turnbull and Rogic, how, how we got through three, you know, two thirds of the season with them both at number eight will be one for, for some reflection, I think. So I think Hatati goes in there because he does give more of a, an overall midfield uh, performance usually. But I think what we found, and I have found, especially in the semi-final, I suspect, was that, you know, Hatati and O'Reilly, you know, they're still actually really young players. Uh, O'Reilly's never played more than League One football. Hatati, I know I keep and I keep mentioning this. But I know he's twenty three, but he's he's very inexperienced. He's a very inexperienced twenty mm-hmm. three year old. He's come through the Japanese university system. He didn't really start playing professional football till he was about twenty one. And of all the games he played in Japan, um, he, he didn't play all of them in central midfield. He played quite a lot at left back and and in other positions. So he's a relatively inexperienced central midfielder playing in games of this import as is O'Reilly. And, you know, when you're up against seasoned professionals like Jack and 
Lundstrom and uh, Arfield and Davis. These are whatever you know, you might say about their relative merits. These are highly experienced, in many cases, international players. So you know that that's something that we need to just accept. There's going to be a bit of a learning curve, and also we just don't have that balance yet of what what that sort of perfect midfield uh, could potentially look like. So that that for me is 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 a general theme. Um, and and for Hatati in particular, you know, he does desperately look like someone in need of a, you know, of, of sheltering a little bit. I think, you know, I think Abada got to that point in the season as well as a young player. You can't just play young players every single game, week in, week out. You saw some spectacular results as we did with Hatati, but you have to treat them carefully. You can't rely on them. Uh, they'll go through dips in form. They'll go through dips in confidence, especially uh, being so young. Um, and they've not they've not got the experience behind them to learn how to come out of those those little uh, dips in their own personal form and, 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 and as well as all the you know the cultural and social and um, you know settling in stuff that's going on there so again I'm not I'm not going to be too hard not Tati I still like the raw materials that are there but we've got a very raw player <laughs> there so to mm. ask him to come in and dictate a, a league deciding match. Uh, I think is a real tough ask with his level of experience. Yeah, and a lot of this comes down to man management as well. And uh, your point about the betting in periods really important because if you listen to ex pros, not the top level ones, the ones that have moved around clubs, you know, Atate joined in January, was it? He joined. Uh, he may still be living out of his suitcase at this point. He may not be fully bedded into the city, have his whole life in order. And I think if you read his piece as well. Uh, that he was, you know, he says he's physically and emotionally tired. James, I know Ange has built up this level of respect where people almost assume, you know, if Ange says it is, then it is. And, you know, he's earned that respect from Celtic fans. Is there an argument to be made that potentially here he does need to give Hatate a rest because even in public, Hatate is saying that he's tired. So maybe it's time to pull him out of the firing line a little bit and bring in someone else. Yeah, it's hard to know that as an outsider, obviously. I think um, there's been a pattern of behavior so far out of Ange that if there was going to be one one uh, area that I might be critical as an outsider, it's kind of that throwback tough guy streak, um, maybe call it, uh, kind of old school uh, mentality. And, and I think that has contributed to some of the injury problems probably. Um, you know, the, the, the gutted out, mentality like we saw with Kyogo that resulted in the long-term injury that kind of thing and I, I think you know could I see that as being you know rather than give a young player a, a break maybe say suck it up <laughs> young man and let's get pushed through it and again that that's to a degree I that can be effective and I, I guess it's a matter of um, the degree and, and the personality fit and that kind of thing um, so again as, as outsiders no, no real clue um as far as that and, it, and again all, all we can do is kind of measure and, and analyze the performance levels and to alan's point they have not been up to snuff and whether or not that's for all these very reasonable uh potential aspects um or not it is what it is um mm -hmm. and, and i think you know how to address that I think the luxury we have now is that we're not facing European quality opponents the last three games. Um, so the margin for error has expanded, particularly given the six point lead. Um, so maybe there's a broader 
lesson here that's being uh, tried to be applied to the player or, or trying to get him to, you know, because again, these guys are young, but brains aren't done developing until 25, right? The idea that these young guys are going to just be able to be flogged like they were earlier in the season and not have potential, um, let's call it volatility of, of the, uh, the psyche, uh, the emotional part of this, um, you know, I, as Alan said, I, it, it's completely normal for people of that age group to, to struggle at times. Um, and particularly if they're just the level of workload and the intensity, um, that's tough for anybody, let alone someone who's 21, 22, 23. Um, so yeah, uh, the, I, I think that the break will be good for all involved. And if we qualify for champions league, that'll be an even more normal break than uh, we've probably had in a long, long time. Um, so hopefully everyone gets a fresh start come, I don't know, maybe early July this year for a change when everyone reports back and, um, you know, we, we can uh, analytically get a fresh start with some of these players as well. Um, mm -hmm. Just, just, I just going to add, uh, O'Reilly's only completed one ninety minutes for Celtic, right? Um, and now he has, he's, there's, the, there's one that's eighty eight, one that eighty nine, a couple of eighty nines, so clo clo you know, close. But certain, actually, all those were in his first five or six appearances, and he hasn't actually completed more than um, seventy nine minutes in his last thirteen appearances. So, you know, he's obviously adjusting to the, the incre increased physicality and intensity. Even compared to you know, people might think League One in England is 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 tough and competitive, and it is. <laughs> but it, it, Scottish football is actually considerably quicker, um, despite what the, some some pundits might tell you. And he's he's taking naturally some time to adjust to that. So, mm -hmm. I think I think that's important context uh, before, before being too critical on the midfield, especially. Well, while we're on the subject of O'Reilly, because he was actually going to be my next question, Alan, the last two derbies was, uh, the narrative going into them was Rogic versus O'Reilly. Rogic got the nod and then O'Reilly came on as a sub and there was sort of an impact there. So if we compare O'Reilly's 60 minutes to, say, Rogic's 60 minutes in the in the previous derby, um, was it worth the change? Did it make a difference to the team in the first 60-odd uh, minutes while he was on the pitch? Yeah, again, it, it, there's a lot of things that go unseen with O'Reilly. The little, as I said, I've said before on, on here, you know, the, the little, the little foot in, the little bit of anticipation where he's just that little bit ahead of other players in his in his thinking. You know, it's not the big glory crunching tackle. It's it's just nicking the ball from people. And you know, six challenges he, he was successful in, which after Starfelt and McGregor was you know equal most in the team in the time that he was on the pitch. You know, he won. The ball back, uh, you know, a, a couple of times, lost it a couple of times, but generally that defensive work, I think, is 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 going to be way way better than Rogic. And I think I've said before that if you look at defensive action metrics, it's it's night and day as far as O'Reilly and Rogic are concerned, which you might not get from watching the game, but it's, as I say, it's just the accumulation of little things that he does. You know, he, he played two key passes, uh, which is you know more than any other player. Um, not that many pack passes, I say, only the three, which is one of the lowest on the team. Um, and he didn't, again, he didn't, he didn't threaten the goal at all. So it, it was by no means a, a highly involved uh, performance. But but I think he he did, he he does give that little bit more solidity in the midfield, which in a game where you're looking not to lose the game, or at least not to lose the game. I still think he was probably the smarter bet in that context. Mm -hmm. I think the other yeah. thing, in, in fairness to the midfield, was that the uh, you know we had serious problems in the back five, <laughs> um, so that was probably the worst part of the game for us. 
um, and that got worse as the game went on. Um, so, you know, the, the midfield uh, probably uh, suffered as a result, meaning that the, the, the volume of pack passes and that kind of thing would have been down because the connection between back to middle to front was just not there on a lot of occasions. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the beginning point of that uh, connection. Yeah. Well, playing three in midfield, it's always difficult playing against uh, the setup that Rangers uh, played against Celtic the, at the weekend. Um, and anybody anybody who's played midfield will know that that it's if you're over if you're outnumbered in there that it it can be almost an impossible task, especially and I mean especially if your team are uh, outnumbered in midfield and you have two wingers who are pressing up high because if that first press is broken then you're completely and utterly uh, ruined in the midfield. You're, you've, you've almost got like a, a seven to seven to three outnumbered in the midfield if you play a high press and you get beaten with the press. So um, just moving forward uh, to the Maeda Jota, Kyogo three, this was something that we were looking forward to going into the game. Is it something that we'll be uh, continuing to look forward to over the next couple of weeks? Did it have moments of, of positivity rather than negativity? Well, I suppose for, for me, uh, you know, for uh, Kyogo still looks a little bit short of of the level of you know fitness and confidence and, uh, that that he would probably like. So his his involvement was actually uh, pretty minimal. He he did a good job again in, in closing down, but he struggled to get on the on the ball. I think five passes he completed. Um, he didn't create any chances. Uh, he had one one shot off target that was from way, way out on the, on the left-hand side. So I think we just need to be cautious about expecting uh, too much of him. And actually looking back with hindsight, he could have made a case for, you know, Jackamakis to start, but then again, he's come back from a a sort of uh, a a hamstring twinge as well. So again, probably you're being a little bit cautious on that front. Um, I think Maida did, did okay. I mean, he obviously set up, he set up the goal, Again, you know, the work rate, the number of pressures. I mean, it was interesting that this was a lot less of an intense Celtic performance than it had been at Ibrox. I think Maeda's pressing was, was almost half the volume that he uh, that he put in at Ibrox, for example. Um, on, on the ball, you know, again, he, he, as he set up the, the goal. That was really the highlight for him. Um, he, he did have one big, big chance with a, with a header. Um, which was, uh, you know, I don't know whether he was trying to be really clever and head it into the corner or whether he was just, you know, <laughs> he, he bottled it a little bit with McGregor hurtling towards him. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, I actually had Yota as as my uh, man of the match uh, because just because of, his, again, he had one of those days where it was just sheer volume of output and relative to other players on the pitch. Um, he was by far the most um, creative uh, talent in terms of both uh, you know, shots and and creativity. Um, he's easily the best sort of overall packing score. Easily the best. Well, yeah, him and Maeda had good, more or less the same expected scoring contributions because of Maeda's big, big chance that he had, and obviously had an assist. But I think he just, he, he obviously, you know, uh, his ability to again to find space, get on the ball in the box. There weren't great numbers by Yota's standards, but they were. There were good numbers in the context of the game, and easily the best within the Celtic team. So it, 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 again, it, it, it wasn't a particularly coherent forward performance. There was lots of linkages and interplay at all. 
but I think again, you know, Yota, Yota, which he hadn't done in perhaps the last derby, certainly he at least managed to get on the ball and he managed to influence the game uh, to to a larger degree than any other Celtic player on the day. I would say from mm. a forward attacking yeah. perspective and a heck of a finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good finish. Uh, yeah. Back post Barisic, they call him. Um, so. <laughs> A really interesting question coming in from Steve Letford here. He says, completely agree with James Ari Hitate. Uh, also, do you think Ange would have played the same team if we had been level or behind Rangers last week going into the game? So if you think about the questions over the starting lineup, you're you're thinking, does he go with Maeda? Does he go with Jota? Does he start a bad in this game after the last derby? Does Giacomacus or Kyogo start this game? Is it O'Reilly or... Is it uh, Rogic? Does Turnbull start this game? A lot of questions around the, the team selection as we had in our preview. So, James, what do you think on that? Do you think if we're not ahead by six points, does the same team start in that game? Do you do you still go out in the same manner that Celtic would have? I think probably the, the one that uh, I would think would be the most uh, debatable there would be Rogic over O'Reilly, meaning that would he go back to kind of the trusted veteran uh, who, who's you know played such an important role throughout the season and as Alan rightly says hasn't done anything to deserve to be dropped necessarily um, so I think that probably is the biggest one outside of I mean I, I have a hard time you know, again voiced my uh, opinion last week on the difference between Giacomacus and uh, Kyogo but again I think Alan's points the the most important one which is he's not up to full fitness probably and um, coming off of an injury, so that probably tilts that one uh, even beyond the the analytical debate. Um, and outside of that, I mean, your right back's going to be your right back given the injury to Dranovich, and pretty much uh, with all due respect to your buddy, uh, we're down to one guy at left back with Dranovich probably out. Um, so there's just not a whole lot of options outside of that, probably um, outside of maybe Avada, as you said. And again, I, I suspect... Um, you know, Maeda and Jota were lock-ons. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, we did. We didn't get to see the change in formation that everyone wanted with Jackamakis and Kyogo up front, unfortunately. But I mean, we might see it by the end of the season. Who knows? There might be the new Larson Sutton. We 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 don't know that yet, but who knows? Um, I think we're putting a lot of weight on how good these guys are if we're putting them in the Larson Sutton. Uh, basket already at this point in time and um, so just as we start to wrap up this and look ahead to the weekend and on the significance of this result the significance of rangers result in midweek uh, i mean i'm not i'm not going to say something you're going to blow this but we're in we're in squeaky bum time at this point potentially i mean as i say if we if we i think if we draw two and lose one then uh and, and they win all three, then yeah, I think we're I think we're getting we're getting caught. So, um, but you know, again, there's, listen, there's there's no evidence of a collapse in Celtic's form. If anything, you know, we're standing up to the challenges in the league. Certainly, I mean, many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listen, it's possible for two things to be true at the same time, which might seem contradictory, right? So if you, if you, if you look at all of the um, analytical models that have been used throughout the season, whether it's um, predicting the outcomes based on um, underlying data to project forward, or whether it's essentially doing a Monte Carlo simulation, rerunning the games based on the performance data that was produced in the games that were played. If you look at both of those methodologies, Celtic have been ahead in the league consistently all season, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's models run by Rangers supporters, Celtic supporters, just people who who who, who model this sort of stuff, and I would say are re- well respected in their field. And, and it's been consistent anything between sort of six and 12 points that Celtic have been winning the league all season, right? So it, it, it is, as I say, it, it is it is true to say that Celtic are the best team in Scotland, not because the top of the league, but because all of the models, all the underlying performance data has suggested Celtic are the best team in Scotland all season as far as the SPFL is concerned. It is also true to say that, um, you know, the Rangers team have performed far better in Europe than Celtic have. That's self-evident. Um, although they, you know, they they have lost and drawn quite a few games on their run. I didn't realize, by the way, that Eintracht Frankfurt are unbeaten in the Europa League mm. season. They haven't lost yeah. a single a single tie, single uh, individual match, which is quite surprising. But it doesn't matter. It's about getting through um, two ties. That's all. That's all that matters. Um, and they've successfully done that. So, and Celtic's performances in Europe have been um, on, on. You know, I would say. Naive is probably a little bit strong, but certainly, you know, we didn't really adapt our style. I'm not saying we necessarily have to, but we have to be a lot better at what we do to beat teams like even Leverkusen and Betis. And, you know, and teams like, you know, Dortmund and Leipzig are, are, are the equal of, of those sides that I've just mentioned. Um, what, what, what we've seen is that we're up against an opponent who, uh, who have a manager who's come in 
and is willing to adapt to every single game that he plays and, and indeed adapt within games to change formation, to change approach, uh, to change personnel. Um, and, and so far it's been really successful in Europe, uh, especially not, not so much in, in Scotland because they've dropped points against teams that you, you would beat. So that, that's, that's the story of the season so far. And, and, and that might seem contradictory because you, I think people have got this kind of binary view that, um, which says, because we can beat Dortmund, we must be better than every team in Scotland because Dortmund are better than every team in Scotland. And that's just not how, it, it's just not how, how life is, you know, yeah, as, as the league has consistently shown all season. And I, I'm not talking about the league table again, I'm talking about the performance data. So, so there's no no doubt if Celtic, if and when Celtic are champions, they absolutely deserve to be. But it's also the case that Celtic need to go a long way to improve uh, uh, to to the standard that, that the Rangers are setting in Europe. Um, uh, that is also true as well. Um, and 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 that's the challenge. That's the challenge ahead. Yeah. Well, the reality is that there's only a couple of games left in the season. Celtic play Hearts this weekend, coming up tomorrow, and. If Rangers drop points and Celtic win, then Celtic are league champions. That's that's how it, it it works. They're playing against Dundee United, and their results against Dundee United this year: Dundee won the first game, Rangers won the second game, and it was a draw for the the third game. So, I mean, the record isn't amazing against Dundee United. So, um, hopefully, you know they do us a favor this weekend, and Celtic can take the pressure off until the end of the season, so that you know you don't have the anxiety of uh, you know are we going to wrap this up anytime soon so James uh, Hearts this weekend um, a team that I always find Celtic fans always get very nervous for this game but if you look at the actual numbers and the results of these games and the performances Celtic have been by far and away the dominant team in this fixture yeah I I think Hearts have um They've, they're probably not as good as their uh, standing in the league table suggests. Uh, they've had some positive variance, shall we say, this season. Um, the, the, the amount of chances that they've conceded, given where they're at in the table, is actually more in line with like six to, to nine in the table. Uh, so the, the defensively, they have not been um, real great. Um, Gordon's had a good shot stopping season, which has helped them. Um, although his other aspects have hurt them. So it kind of balances out still positive, but not as positive as some would make it out to be probably. Um, so yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're a, uh, a, a good enough team that we can't be complacent. And because Gordon is the type of keeper that can have one of those games where he stands on his head. Again, we go back to the, the secret uh, conversation that we had before we played Dundee United last time, and we will have again here shortly again, which is when you're, you know, you have this paranoia about dropping points when you need every single point, um, you know, have, uh, facing a keeper that is at least capable of putting on one of those performances uh, always creates anxiety for me. And we're, we're definitely facing one of those. I, I suspect we're going to get a lot of chances. They, they've had uh, injuries. I don't know the, the latest greatest as far as what what they have available in their back four but they've um had some chopping and changing there playing some younger guys um you know their, their midfield's not terribly athletic um so I, I just you know it's back to like ross county if they come out and try to mimic and be like a mini rangers 
you know, we, we shouldn't be short of uh, creating chances. And then it's whether or not we can get them past Gordon. Um, and, you know, they'll be, uh, they've got some pace. Janelli, you know, Boyce is a decent finisher. Uh, they got Ellis. They got some size on set pieces. So, you know, um, they, they'll be a threat to score at some point. Um, so, the, the, you know, they'll they'll have more threat than a Ross County did most likely. Uh, so, it's, but it's at home, should be comfortable. It's one of those games where. You know, if we have some good finishing, I think we'll have enough chances that it could be a three or four goal kind of game with the caveat that, you know, we're going up against a keeper who might make that tough. Yeah. I, I never like sitting on, you know, a high horse about this, the way that Celtic play football or the way that any team plays football because, you know, the the best way to play, play football is the way that gets you results. But I often find myself, especially in teams like, with teams like Hearts and Hibs and things like that. And, and I mean, Hibs actually did try to change it with Sean Maloney this year, and we saw how long that lasted. I don't like the style of football Hearts play because they are better than what they, they play. They try to make the games dirty. They're not really... They're, they play as if they're a Livingston, but that's not what Hearts are as a club. They are not a Livingston. They don't need to do what Livingston do. They, they're very old school, shall we say, Alan? Um, I think historically that might be in the case, but I, I would say and uh, that not 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 this season. In fact, Hearts have been one of the more uh, ball in the deck teams this season. You know, the, after in fact, after, after Aberdeen have probably tried to play the most football after the top two, and Hearts are probably ne- you know next up there. So, so they you know they're, 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 they're sorry. I should they're, I should they're, they're, I should clarify with that. I sorry. I should clarify against Celtic. I mean. Right, right. Again, well, again, yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between a a, a wet Friday night and a tight packed Tynecastle, and then a you know a Saturday afternoon at Celtic Park. I think there's a big difference, mm-hmm. and I think Hearts will yeah. always try and use that hostile environment, it's the same as the Rangers did in Europe. You know, there is probably no more hostile uh, football stadium in the world than Ibrox, frankly. So you you got to you make the most of it, don't you? You make the most of your your advantages. And they probably play up to that a little bit, but the, I, I, but I would say this season they've. Um, I mean, as I say, they're 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 actually third in the league for completed passes overall. So they're, they're sorry, fourth after Aberdeen. So so they, they have they have tried they have got to where they are playing football. But I do agree with with James that if it hadn't been for Craig Gordon, they would potentially be right back in the pack again. He's he's made a huge difference individually. In fact, I can't think of an individual player that's made as big a difference in the league. Than, than Craig Gordon, to be honest. Mm. Um, but in front of him, now I don't know what the latest injury situation is that they have, but potentially the, the four best defenders, which uh, would be Smith, Kingsley, Suter and Halkett, are, are all out. Uh, they didn't play in the last game, which I know they won. Um, but it potentially, you know, they're, they're missing the whole of their their front, their, their sort of their first choice um, uh, defenders. Now, Hearts have actually had a good season in terms of um, they've, they've used relatively few players. If you look at if you look at the um, I don't have an index for a sort of um, lineup consistency, but I would suspect they're probably the most consistent lineup uh, in the whole in the whole league in terms of they've had a core of players that they've been able to pick pretty much game on game. But isn't but what's happening, of course, is 
relatively small squad um, at this time of the season is when the injuries start to take take their toll, and then you're relying on people coming in and and doing and doing a job. So you know, is is Moore as good as Halkit, for example? You know, is is Sibic as good as Suter, sort of thing? So um, not to underestimate them because they've actually where, where they've been really impressive, I think, is is in the attacking third because players like Barry Mackay, um, Liam Boyce, uh, Sims. Um, have got some of the best expected goals, expected assist rates of outside of the top two. Uh, really, really impressive. Uh, really potent um, attacking lineup. In fact, the only surprise really has been that with, since Sims has come into the team is that Boyce has played more of a slightly withdrawn role. And I don't think that really suits him. I think you get the best of him as a as an out and out striker, um, and he's and consequently he's not scored many goals in the last sort of fifteen games after getting to ten probably quicker than anyone else in the league. You know, Mackay's got 11 uh, assists, but his, you know, his expected scoring contribution is 0.45, which is superb, you know, for a winger in a team that's not in the top two. So I think credit to them uh, in terms of, I think they have overperformed. I think Craig Gordon's been probably, if you had to pinpoint one thing, it would be Craig Gordon and the fact that he had a very stable uh, team in front of him. That's now gone mm. because of injuries. I think I don't. I don't know if any of those players will be back. But there's still still danger there, absolutely. But to James's, I, I kind of agree with James. I think because of the 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 pedestrian nature of their midfield, especially athletically, they're they're not they're not great in midfield at all. And because they're missing such key defenders, I'm, I'm hopeful that Celtic will cause them a lot of, a lot of problems. I mean, just to give you some indication, even even in the, even though we've played them in games. That they've had to win in terms of it was actually it was actually nip and tuck for second place in some of the games we've played them. Uh, unexpected goals we've we've got over twelve and they're, and they're on five, <laughs> but we've just missed a lot of chances against them. Or Gordon's made some great saves. Yeah, so I, this is if I, again I always uh, come back to my paranoid concern. Like if I'm going to try and make an effort to why to get worried, um, if they're back for are um, out, then we could be facing more of a St. Mirren in December type of situation, meaning that a, a team alters how they play because of the availability of players. And if they adopt uh, more of a bunkering mentality, so this has been my, uh, my concern that somebody would do this that has decent players, um, you know, so if they, because of the relative youth and or just, um, lack of of game time this season and the people that end up comprising their their defensive line if they say okay we're just going to park the bus now and you know basically rely on their good shot stopping keeper and numbers in the box you know that's the kind of game that concerns me more than one where they're trying to play a little more or like we, we saw with ross county um two weeks ago so that that's kind of the formula. It doesn't mean that we wouldn't bombard them to the point where we would eventually score and maybe a couple or a few times. But you know, again, you can see the formula as to how that could turn into uh, a nervy game as <laughs> the twentieth shot either gets blocked or um, goes wide or ballooned or or Gordon saves it. Um, so I, I, I can see that pathway. Mm-hmm. So just as we round this chat out, I know I'm very conscious that we've already talked for 44 minutes, nearly 45 minutes. So I don't want this to turn into a 45 minute talk because we realistically, we could do a full podcast on this, a full special on it. But I suppose you can't ignore the fact that Rangers are in a European 
final next week or whenever the, the final is, 15th of May or something like that, I think it is, in Sevilla, 15th, yeah. playing Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, look, this proves one thing, and is that the talk sport heads uh, don't know anything about football, considering they've been saying Scottish sides are useless and you know would struggle in the championship. Um, one thing that I think you have to look at is that Celtic are six points clear of this side, yet they've struggled to get out of the uh, group and they fell in the conference, which is the comp- European competition below where Rangers are now in the final. So it is both a success on Rangers' behalf. You have to say that getting to a Europa League final in this day and age is a huge achievement for a Scottish club based on the budgets and everything else. But from a Celtic perspective, and I've watched some of Rangers games against those teams in Europe, and I've looked at those opponents, and they are useless. They are absolutely useless. Not not Rangers, the teams that they're playing against. And I'm just wondering, why do we think Celtic have fallen against these sides that on another day we might be easily it just it is it is a strange one could be because we need we probably do need an answer to that question going into the champions league now that next year because that is confirmed if celtic wrap up the title they're going straight into the champions league so that's a step up again to where celtic have been playing recently um so interested to get your thoughts on that yes i i'll uh, go back to my season-long jenga tower analogy so I think when it comes to competing against teams that are better than ourselves or Rangers, meaning that Rain- Rangers and us are so close in quality, um, you know, it, 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 it's nip and tuck. And it, the games have been close, relatively speaking. And, um, you know, the league generally has been pretty close most of the year. So, um, you know, I, I think they're built to compete better at this point, their players fit within their system relative to playing better teams. Uh, and we've, we've seen that with, I mean, the fact that, you know, Celtic conceded as many goals that was, we did. Uh, I think we averaged, you know, basically from Alkmaar forward, we averaged two and a half goals conceded per game. Uh, and that's including Ferenc Faros, who's probably a level down um, than the rest of them. So, you know, that, that was the problem is that when we were trying to play Angela's style of football against those better teams, um, you know, we just, we just couldn't do it. And, and Rangers are built um, to be able to handle that better. Uh, and again, to their credit, um, that was, you know, and if you think about the, um, the genesis from Gerard's first season in 1819, when they were chasing us with, when they had lower resources and a lower wage bill, we were that European team that had higher quality. Um, so it made sense, right? So they started to play this way to kind of level the playing field against us. Uh, and that has extrapolated into Europe to, and as they've gotten better, they've gotten better players. They've invested more money in their squad on, on the wage bill side. It's manifested in, you know, a, a really impressive quality stretch for them. Uh, it's better teams. And I, you know, for us to be able to replicate that playing the way that we are, we, this is why I keep, we have to upgrade. Uh, and Ange just talked about, they're going to, you know, see if, uh, we, we, we collectively agree on where that needs to be. But, um, I, I just, I think that's the big, the big difference. Um, so it, to me, it's all explainable. It's very, 
it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and the way that we've played squeezes, you know, that Ange style has squeezed anyone below Rangers in the league to death. Like it just, that's what's allowed us to have this consistency against lower quality teams. And we get away with some of the deficiencies that we have that get massively exposed then when we play those higher quality opponents, whereas Rangers don't have quite the level of creativity and, um, you know, they've, um, to the, they've had some issues at keeper with mistakes that have really impacted them in the league. And, um, you know, that, that little bit lack of creativity relative to us has hurt them domestically, but is less of an issue when they're playing on the counter and only have the ball 40% of the time as they routinely have against the, the higher quality teams in the Europa League. Yeah, we, we seem to have lost Alan. I think his internet just uh, dropped out there, so we might get him back before the end of the podcast. But that that's a good point in terms of the, the style differences because broadly speaking, football works almost, it's almost the same throughout the European leagues, at least the style of football. Most people duplicate the best uh brand of football that's being played so at the minute you've got Klopp's Liverpool and you've got Man City under Pep you've got basically two variants of a similar system one is extremely athletic players without the creative spark that you, you're talking about that's Klopp uh, now they've developed that with bringing Thiago in bringing Luis Diaz into the team and having Virgil van Dijk as a centre-back that's how they've counteracted that but I feel like Steven Gerrard while he wasn't overly successful with Rangers by that one league title, he did get a chance to develop a system that and get players in for that system that suited the system and optimized it, as you'd like to say, for that game plan, which works really well in European football. Fast, hungry, strong, aggressive players that basically, you know, outwork and outmuscle the opposition in the field, but do lack that little bit of finesse. Celtic are currently in season one of Ange's football, which is the other side of the spectrum of high press, high intensity, creative midfield players and working through layers of uh, triangles throughout the entire team. It's sort of the Man City way because of the City group link. You know, it's similar, not the exact same, but it's similar. Um, But we'll be going into the Champions League in year two. So what you can hope is that the lack of success that Celtic have had under the likes of Lennon, Rodgers to an extent, you know, Dyla, these managers, hopefully under Ange, who is bringing in these players, seems to have an overarching uh, responsibility for picking out the players now with Lawwell coming in, having worked with him as well, that maybe in year two of Ange's football, Celtic will be optimised enough, at least to win a knockout game and build on that with the money they'll come in from that. Yeah, and I I think the other thing, again, to their credit, uh, the, the major... Another huge distinguisher for Rangers in Europe is that they have taken their chances. They have finished very well. You saw that yesterday with Camara's goal. I mean, that was just a really good finish. You know, his weaker foot from distance and a little bit angled um, basically one time. I mean, that's a really good finish. And they have had a succession of those in these games, even games where they, you know, kind of lost the XG battle. And they might not have had a lot of chances, but they finished them. Right. So that and they, some of that's just sequencing some of its randomness. You could you could say clutch. You know, some of these players came up with clutch performances um, and, and finishing when they when they had that opportunity. 
Um, but you know, they haven't had that as much domestically. Um, and, and, you know, some of that's because the game's open, you know, they're not getting the ability to finish encounters, uh, like they do in Europe, whereas in, you know, they face a lot of the same, uh, you know, closed up defenses, uh, like we do in, in the domestic game. So, um, but yeah, it's the, the, the ability for us to kind of get over this boogeyman in Europe. I, I don't see us changing how we're playing, so it's going to require, I think, significant upgrades in a few spots, um, mm-hmm. particularly now. I mean, I think the goal realistically is going to be to get third in a Champions League group with us being pot four and get back into the Europa League knockout stages and, and then maybe mm-hmm. get some progression there um, would be, yeah. I think, kind of the early, the early goal. Yeah, if we can get into the you know, into the knockout stage of Champions League, all the better. But um, that that might be a, a bridge a bit too far. We'll see. Depends on what, how much money is available and the quality of the upgrades that we make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the group stage is going to be difficult being in part four. It always is, and that's the way it's set up. It's supposed to be difficult. So we'll see we, what happens. We could, we, we could use a lucky draw for a change. Maybe we're finally for through. a change. Yeah, cool. I tongue in cheek. I I tweeted what I think the draw would be, and I think it had Man City, Atletico, and uh, someone else, and then, and then Rangers would be drawing against uh, Zagreb and the rest of the. Not the weak teams because they're all strong in the Champions League, but the lesser strong teams in the uh, in the Champions League. So we we shall see what happens. Uh, look, look, before we finish up, James, this has been a massive week in terms of news for Celtic. Like, I, if I had not been hungover from my my own success in in football last weekend, uh, I would have been covering a lot more on the channel this week. So that's why there hasn't been too many videos. Look, we've got the Jota news seems to be progressing. Uh, according to the Portuguese media, at least that Yota has said he wants to say, stay at Celtic and Celtic are progressing with that buyer clause of 6 million. Uh, Mark Lawwell has joined as the uh, head of the, you know, the scouting department and uh, just loads happening because we're at the end of the season. So your take on the last week of the Lawwell news of the Jota news and the rest of it. Yeah. So I'll qualify this with saying, given some of the legacy structural issues that we've talked about, some of which have not really been addressed and probably won't be um, for the foreseeable future. So within that context of kind of the Ange manager centric model that we appear to be um, pursuing, I think that they're positive. Uh, you know, I've expressed my views that uh, Jota's maybe not the optimized uh, uh, pick for, for the next couple of seasons in my view, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a good signing, particularly at that price um, or a productive player or, you know, a valuable member going forward. It's more, of, again, more of a analytical discussion about optimization. Um, and, you know, to, to everything as an outsider with very little information, if, if you remove the last name of, of the new head of uh, scouting and recruitment, um, the, the pedigree and the, the CV is there. The pre-existing relationship with Ange is there. So that seems, again, within the construct of the model that we're pursuing, seems positive. Um, so, and, and we're doing it in a timeline that allows us to gear up. So that's the other thing. It's not late. It's we're, we're gearing up for what's going to be a huge window. Um, and fortunately, we're not going to need to sign people, you know, June 5th <laughs> or June 15th. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll have some time 
to deal in the marketplace and, and not have a you know metaphorical gun to our head uh not, not having to deal with um champions and qualifiers yeah i mean that's a big one and that's why i mentioned trying to get the season wrapped up this weekend if possible you know it's we are still reliant on rangers results but the, obviously they are planning for this already but it would be nice to take the anxiety off the rest of the season knowing that you've already won the league you can just start pre- prepping for for next season and the added bonus of not having to go through those drastic champions league qualifiers at the start of the the summer window is a, a nice bonus as well for Celtic having that and um, so i think that's where we'll leave us unfortunately Alan, who is in the lobby, but I just can't get him in. It's just not letting me. So I don't know if it's if it's my connection or his connection. So I will say thank you to Alan for this week, as always. James, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? No, just uh, maybe say thank you to Brian at the at NYCSC and uh, at uh, in Midtown it was my first trip there at the CSC. Uh, uh, so I had a great time. Brian was a, a great host. True credit to the club, the people that run these CSCs and, you know, getting up at 430 in the morning in the the U.S. or even on the West Coast, people that get up at who knows what hours to get into these pubs and the pub owners that open them up for us. I mean, it's just such a great experience. Uh, Dennis and Jack, I sat by, were great uh, companions to to watch the game. So I shared your hangover on on, uh, Monday and then at my age, it bleeds into Tuesday. Um, So, yeah, just shout out and thanks to Brian and everyone that was there. Yeah, and I should say as well, when I'm on my travels, I'm going to Spain next week. I'll be landing in Bilbao. If there's any CSCs out there that listen to the podcast and you're in Europe, drop me a DM on Twitter and we'll see if we can arrange something. would love to speak to a couple of you over the summer while I'm uh, gallivanting all around Europe. So if you are uh, an owner or part of a CSC across Europe, I'd love to meet you. And uh, So just drop me a DM, Enda underscore call is my uh, Twitter handle. So that would, would be great to... To meet you, I just, also just, should say just, this. just admit you're angling for free pints. Go ahead, come on, so transparent. Well, no, well, I absolutely am. I mean, who who isn't these days? Who isn't? Um, no, I should say that as well, and some more housekeeping as well. I put a poll up on the uh, Twitter and on the YouTube channel last week about starting a new channel. So there is going to be a new channel from me about the traveling and. I'm going to visit a few grounds. I'm going to be doing some ground hopping over the summer as well and bringing in some football elements to a travel style YouTube. That is going to be live today. So I'm going to send out the uh, the link to that on my Twitter as well. I'll put a link in the description of this video later on as well. If you would subscribe to that, if that sounds like something you're going to be interested in, then do hit the subscribe button and I'll stop begging you. This is the last time I'm going to ask, one and only time I'm going to ask on this channel for you to follow that other page as well. So hopefully we can get some subscribers on that. That will do us on the Huddle Breakdown. My connection, James, your connection. We not thought we bad. were going to be the problem. We thought yep. we were going to be the problem. And now Alan Morrison is not unfortunately not here uh, to say goodbye for this week. We shall be back next week, hopefully. Please God, I'll be coming from the van again, but this time from Bilbao as we look oh, back that's on the first Hearts step. game. That's the yeah, first trip, I'll be, Bilbao. Okay. I'll, be, I'll be in Bilbao reviewing this Hearts game, hopefully, so if my connection well, sh- is okay there. Safe journey, my friend. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah, hopefully, and we shall chat to you next week, and hopefully by then Celtic will be champions, but until then, we'll chat to you later. Good luck.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 